Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch, and today is the first day of the Beijing Winter Olympic Games. I think what we're looking at is that the 14th uh, Winter Olympiad in Beijing is shaping up to be one of the most memorable, but for all the wrong reasons. Because to a large extent, issues of human rights, safety of athletes, and their right to have freedom of expression and freedom of speech while they're at Beijing have overshadowed the competitions that are ahead. On the show today, Philem Kine, Politico's China correspondent. And I'm also going to be looking to see uh, to what extent athletes will risk making political statements, speaking out about genocide in Xinjiang, speaking out about the disappeared Chinese tennis star Peng Shui. Uh, These are issues that for sure are going to be on the minds of athletes along with their performance. And it's going to be interesting to see how they negotiate those two competing imperatives that might be on their minds. Phelim recently convened a Twitter Spaces panel to talk about the Beijing Olympics with four key people who are following them very closely. We convened a China Watcher Politico panel of experts who could speak to really some of the key issues that are related to the Beijing Games and the U.S. and international engagement with those games. So, We had Senator Jeff Merkley. Good morning. Yes, I sure am. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, you, sir. Democrat from Oregon, who is a co-chair of the Congressional Executive Commission on China to bring in the uh, Capitol Hill lawmaker aspect of the issue. We brought on Sophie Richardson. It's great to be together with everyone today. Who is the China director at Human Rights Watch. We had Noah Hoffman. Good morning, Philem. Thank you so much for having me. Who is a two-time Winter Olympian. And Melissa Chan. Hello, Philem. Thanks for having me. Who is a Berlin-based journalist who comments on all things China and was an Al Jazeera correspondent based in Beijing for the 2008 Beijing Games. So we covered the issues in terms of the politics, the human rights issues, the issues that are concerning athletes, and also the the issues concerning media coverage. And what were you really struck by in that panel? What were some key concerns or the things that they were all really looking at about the Beijing Games? The real standouts are the really expressions of concern and discussed with how the United Nations and particularly Mm. Secretary General Antonio Guterres is handling the UN's engagement with the games, Mm. given the backdrop of the fact that the Chinese government is implicated in crimes against humanity and genocide related to state policies targeting Muslim Uyghurs in Xinjiang. And the fact that Secretary General Antonio Guterres is attending the games and apparently is not speaking out about these issues really uh, incensed Senator Merkley. The UN has basically uh, failed in its human rights uh, role here, and it's shameful for Antonio Guterres uh, to uh, appear at the at the games. Who accused him of abrogating 
his responsibility and duties as the head of the United Nations. And the other issue that it really came up was just how athletes are the victims here, how athletes yeah. are trapped in the middle by the fact that the International Olympic Committee has again allowed a host city of a host country that is an authoritarian surveillance state to host what is the world's highest profile international competition and how their efforts to really demonstrate athletic excellence are becoming these politicized elements of something that's beyond their control because of the fact that the IOC will allow China to host this type of games, despite the fact that it has this atrocious human rights record. Yeah, I was really interested in hearing what Noah Hoffman was saying about the difficult position that Olympic athletes were in. The most striking thing to me, talking to some of my former teammates and athletes that are heading over to these games, uh, was that uh, they said that in the lead up to these Olympics, and I cannot tell you how different this is from my experience in both Sochi and Pyeongchang, uh, they did not have a single meeting, team meeting, focused on sport and performance and their athletics. Uh, instead, every single meeting they had about these Olympics was focused on either COVID protocols or personal safety, digital privacy, free speech issues, et cetera. And um, it is just sucking up all of the oxygen in the room. Like, is it more risky for athletes to speak out in these specific games? Can you kind of like unpack that? I mean, it clearly the consensus is amongst athletes and those concerned about their security, security experts, is that athletes do run unique risks just by being at the 2022 Beijing Games and multiple reasons for that. The first is that the athletes must download by they are by order they have to download an app on their phone called the my 2022 app mm -hmm. which um toronto based citizen lab has troubleshot and found multiple security and privacy flaws that could really make athletes extremely vulnerable the other issue is that last week chinese state media reported from anonymous sources that the U.S. government was intending to pay unnamed foreign athletes to, quote unquote, disrupt the Olympics. Mm. Those two issues alone really tell you how the Chinese government is putting athletes at risk in terms of their data security, their privacy, but potentially some politicized campaign that could implicate them in some sort of activity that they have absolutely no knowledge about. So by basically casting them as, as suspects in some kind of politicized geopolitical contest between the U.S. and China. And, you know, the third issue is that the rights of athletes to freedom of expression at any games is severely restricted by the IOC Rule 50.2, which basically only allows them to speak in certain venues at certain times during the Olympics, which means that if they violate those rules, for example, if they do anything on a, on a metal platform or during the opening ceremonies, um, they can be penalized by the IOC and even tossed out of the Olympics. And a couple of weeks ago, Chinese government representatives said that athletes that violate such rules could also face Chinese 
penalties, Chinese criminal penalties. So this is not a comforting situation for athletes to be going into. One thing I was interested in is the reason that these Olympics are in China to begin with. I mean, we know that to host the Olympics has gotten increasingly costly and is not something that a lot of places see an actual like economic or tourism return on investment in. So it's potentially become kind of an opportunity for more authoritarian countries to display a strong image on the global stage. In your panel, I think Senator Merkley called it a lot of glitz and glamour. We can't allow the uh, glitz and glamour to be used as a facade uh, to uh, amplify and, and celebrate China instead of drawing attention to, to what they're doing. What would you say? It's really true that, you know, Olympic Games are not popular with the cities that host them. They are incredibly disruptive in terms of the years that it takes for construction of venues. It can hemorrhage taxpayer funds in order to create the facilities and infrastructure. Uh, it's worth remembering that, that Montreal, Canada, hosted the 1976 Olympics and took 30 years to pay off the bill wow. uh, for facilities that were falling apart like within 10 years of the games. So what we're seeing more and more are Olympics becoming these vanity projects for authoritarian governments, particularly China, which is host, which is the first country to ha to host the uh, Olympics and a Summer Olympics and a Winter Olympics in the same city, Beijing, as a propaganda event mm -hmm. to basically communicate to their captive domestic population the glories of the ruling Chinese Communist Party and really puts in a shadow what is and should be the priority, which is the incredible feats of athletic performance and endurance that these games bring to the world. And I was really interested in your Twitter Spaces panel with comments from Senator Merkley, who has been very outspoken against these games taking place in China and compared them to the 1936 Olympics. When you had uh, Hitler uh, proudly flying the Nazi flag next to the Olympic flag, and when the world didn't really respond to the abuses that were already underway, he took it as a full kind of... Uh, authorization that he could get away with uh, much more egregious conduct uh, leading to uh, war and Holocaust. I mean, it's uh, uh, the, the world has to speak up. And this is at least one modest, small way that the, the Biden administration is speaking up and encouraging other nations to do so. Do you think that's an apt comparison? I, I think that um, comparisons of Nazi Germany to contemporary states uh, of any kind are fraught yeah. and problematic for many reasons. However, we can't overlook the fact that the Chinese government uh, is an Olympic is Olympic host and is also implicated by multiple governments in crimes against humanity and genocide, and so. It's not difficult for observers and for uh, politicians to thread the needle and to make that comparison between Nazi Germany and China. But again, that is uh, imperfect, it's fraught, and it's essentially a very political determination. But at the same time, at the core of it are issues that 
there is a commonality of concern that people maybe should be paying attention to. So what should people be watching for when they watch the Olympic Games this year? Is any of this going to actually, like, translate to screens with, like, bobsleds and stuff? So because of COVID mitigation protocols, the the Olympics in Beijing are taking place under what they call the closed loop system, which means that the athletes and officials are bubbled uh, away from the rest of Beijing or away from the rest of China in the Olympic Village and the Olympic venues. Um, there are almost no spectators in the stands. They stopped selling tickets uh, several weeks ago when the first Omicron cases of COVID were detected in the country. There's real concern that that the Olympics could be a a vector and a mass spreader event Mm -hmm. for the coronavirus inside China. Mm -hmm. And so what you're going to see is you're going to see mostly empty stands. Um, For the athletes, it's going to be a kind of a lonely and quiet experience where you won't have that real rush of group uh, intensity that you always see in in, in previous Olympics. And that's really going to gonna impact, I think, how athletes experience it. Whether you're tuning in from home, whether you'll notice it as much or not, uh, it's hard to tell. Philem Kine, thank you so much for talking with me. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Also today, senators in both parties emerged from a Thursday classified briefing on Russia's aggression toward Ukraine, doubting whether the legislative response that they've been working on could come together in time to deter an invasion. Senator John Cornyn had this to say, quote, I'm concerned that Mr. Putin's timetable is different than ours, and he may well move before we can get this done. And Austria is the first Western democracy to mandate COVID vaccinations for nearly its entire adult population. It's a move that is being seen as a test case for other countries dealing with vaccine resistance. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. Dispatch's senior editor is Raghu Manavalan, and our senior producer is Jenny Ament. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>